the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now on this Tuesday, the 31st and final morning of the month of August in the year of our Lord 2021. And as I said at the top of the show, it's also the first day of a new America, one in which we do leave men behind. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will If stay. we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And... And if there are American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. That was Joe Biden on August 19th talking to George Stephanopoulos. And guess what? Uh, Joe Biden lied. Joe Biden absolutely lied. If there are American citizens left, we're going to stay until we get them all out. There are American citizens left, and the last plane to take anybody out of Afghanistan left yesterday. Joining us now to talk about this and so much more having to do with this botched withdrawal-slash-rescue-slash-evacuation, this foreign policy disaster, is our good friend Peter Kersenow. Peter is a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights. He is a Cleveland attorney, is a best-selling author, a columnist, and he hosts the Kersenow Report here on AM 1420, The Answer, as well. Peter, good morning. Bob, um, as I texted you yesterday, keep your finger on the dump button because... Um, I'm not any less exercised than I was last night, and I suspect all of your listeners are, too, if I know them at all, and I think I do. They contact me on a regular basis, and I run into them on the street. I'm just, as they are filled with nothing but contempt and disgust for the disgraceful and dishonorable humiliation that we have faced, leaving Americans behind, knowingly doing so, establishing artificial deadlines. It wasn't merely the dishonor and the disgrace that this administration has visited upon the United States of America. 
it's compounded by unimaginable, almost galactic stupidity and incompetence. I, uh, I was oblivious to, thankfully, uh, at least the early stages of this, because I went on one of my rare vacations that I've taken in my career, and I turned off electronic media, and so I was not aware of what was going on until uh, late last week, um, actually a little bit more than a week ago. And the first time I heard about this, my eyes grew wide, my jaw drew, became slack, because I could not believe the magnitude of the stupidity. Every single explanation I heard was just an exercise in ignorance and, and, it was, and lies and stupidity. Every time you would hear some type of explanation or you would hear some fact revealed about what was going on, you'd shake your head in disbelief. The fact that they closed Bagram, that's the first thing. When they closed Bagram, you ask a five-year-old, and, and I remember seeing on television, somebody did ask a five-year-old or a six-year-old, a little boy, about what the sequence of events should be when you decide to evacuate an area such as that. It had been described to him. He said, well, well the last people you evacuate are the military. This is an incredible thing we've seen. Heads should be rolling everywhere. If we had a, if this were a Republican administration, of course, there would be 16 hearings going on right now. The reason there aren't any now is because, in our wisdom, we've elected Democrats to control the Senate and the House, and they want to lock this down. Of course, when we had the January 6th insurrection, we had hearings on top of hearings. We had troops that were mobilized and surrounding the Capitol. Oh, boy, they know how to protect themselves. They know how to supp suppress all of their incompetence. But when it comes to protecting American citizens... They're asleep at the switch, at best asleep at the switch. We abandon Bagram. We, we make the Taliban our security force for us. What, what idiocy is this? Every single thing that came out, again, five- and six-year-olds would say, what are you guys thinking? We leave $85 billion in military equipment behind. We went to Afghanistan 20 years ago. And we encountered 6th century goat herders. We leave, and they are a superpower. They have more equipment than almost all of our allies do. This is astonishing. Uh, the Taliban now, according to what I read, was uh, or uh, is now the 30th most powerful air force in the world because of all of the Blackhawks and, uh, and other uh, uh, equipment that we left behind, as you said. They literally have their own Air Force now, which is just a staggering and, 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 and shocking thing. Pete, I, I want to talk about their flex on this, though. They're, they're, they're flexing, they're bragging, they're taking a victory lap around the fact that they say that they rescued and evacuated and airlifted 120,000 people out of there in the last couple of weeks. 120,000 people evacuated. Jen Psaki asked about this, said that's 120,000 lives that we have saved, including 6,000 Americans. So I would let you evaluate that for herself. So she and they are saying that this is a, this is a great success. First of all, 6% of 120,000 lives is only 5%, or excuse me, 6,000 of 120,000 lives is only 5% uh, that, that uh, uh, are comprised of Americans then. So only 5% of that 120,000 are American. And Pete, moreover, um, it's not about the number of people who have been evacuated. It's about the number of people who are left behind. 
Precisely right. These pencil neck bean counters are doing a, a victory. They're not. This is all about cosmetics. They are hoping they can get the legacy media to continue to provide cover for them, which legacy media, it, it, this, it, it can tell you how bad this is when you do have the CNNs, ABC, CBSs, and others who are saying, what the heck is going on here? When they're starting to ask, starting to ask, not really, you know, uh, strident or aggressive questions, but they're asking appropriate questions. You know how badly bungled this was when you see that. But they're trying to paper all this over, hoping that after a period of time, this will blow away, you know, whether hurricanes or some other kind of event will overtake it and the media will move on. That's what they're trying to do. They're playing for time here, hoping this will go away. That's why you see Biden will return to his bunker. <laughs> Put it this way. Um... Ask yourself, where's AOC in the squad? Demanding, they're demanding 200000 That's where they are. They're demanding yeah. two, she literally said, minimum of 200,000 Afghani nationals or third-party uh, third nationals in Afghanistan who uh, want to come to the United States should be brought here. Right. They don't care about Americans. They're not talking about the Americans being left behind. No, not they're at talking all. about bring Right. But... Think about her reaction and compare and contrast it to remember when she staged that fake photo op that the media went along with her on. Sure. They, went, they were trying to pull a fast one on us when she went down the southern border and was crying profusely about the alleged illegals who weren't being allowed in and the kids purportedly left in cages. We have left Americans behind. Americans behind. They will be executed in some of the most... <laughs> vile ways imaginable i don't see her crying i don't see her staging some kind of a big event i don't see the media following around that tells you a lot about the sensibilities of not just aoc almost all of the democrats i don't mean to make this political but it is no it absolutely is political and and democrats are missing in action they are assiduously keeping their heads down and remaining quiet. They're not asking for hearings. They're not outraged. Oh, a few are, you know, Seth Moulton, a few others, some who've served and, and can't bear to see this because they know the true facts on the ground and the peril that this places um, not just the Americans there, but the Americans here in. This is extraordinary what's going on. These individuals. Peter, Peter have- Tony Blinken is doing worse than just uh, leaving people on the ground, le- leaving men behind, leaving hundreds. They say hundreds, by the way, and they tried to minimize that and say probably closer to a hundred. Uh, th- there are a lot of other people who dispute that because you can't trust this administration as far as you can throw it. Uh, there's probably still thousands, but nonetheless, whether it's a hundred or two hundred or whatever, Tony Blinken is seeking to victim shame them and victim blame them, saying that if an American in Afghanistan tells us that they want to stay for now and then in a week or a month or a year they reach out and say, I've changed my mind, we will help them leave. He's suggesting that there are Americans left behind by choice that want to be held in a in a, in a country that is now run by a terror association, the Taliban, that believes in the direct and strict letter of Sharia law. They they want they're trying to tell us that people are left behind. Ah, eh, they chose that, and we'll try to add. And that's the other word they use: negotiate. We're going to negotiate with the Taliban to assist those who want to leave after uh, the deadline, which of course is today. Uh, we will we will negotiate with them to to uh, to ask them to help uh, these these Americans who wish to leave leave. That that's unconscionable to blame Americans who are left behind, saying, "Oh, they many of them chose it." That 
contemptible, pencil-necked piece of human excrement, dump button, Bob, remember the dump button, is emblematic of those individuals who have screwed up so much of this country and we're sick and tired of it. They are just incredibly incompetent. They are, and I'll say it, they act in un-American ways. They're the ones calling the rest of the folks deplorables. The deplorables were the ones who get shipped to Afghanistan to execute these stupidly crafted policies. And they sit up there and they're going to lecture us. They're going to sit up there and come up with these ridiculous excuses. If they had any honor whatsoever, from top to bottom, they'd be tendering their resignations. In a more honorable time, a number of individuals would be tendering their resignations, even if they had no complicity, even if they were the ones who said, do not do it this way. Back then, they would have said, I am no longer part of this administration, would have tendered their resignation, just like, um, um, oh gosh, I can't remember his name, Lieutenant Colonel Scott Sheffer, I think it was. Who, yeah, it was Lieutenant Colonel Sheffer, uh, uh, Sheffer, who said, hey, I am out of here. He criticized the Marines. They said, you can't do that stuff. And he said, fine, I'm out of here. I'm not taking any pension. I'm not taking any VA benefits, nothing. You guys have completely botched this, will not own it. There's nothing you will do to rectify this situation. But no, the Millies of the world, the Austins of the world, the Bidens of the world, they're not going to resign. They're not even to, going to, to your admit point that they made one mistake. Pete, to your point, a letter was written and signed by nearly ninety retired generals right. and admirals, um, declaring exactly that that Biden, Austin, and Milley quote should have recommended against this dangerous withdrawal in the strongest possible terms. If they did not do everything within their authority to stop this hasty withdrawal, they should resign. Conversely, if they did do everything within their ability to persuade the president to not hastily exit the country without ensuring the safety of our citizens and Afghans loyal to America, then they should have resigned in protest as a matter of conscience and public statement. A fundamental principle in the military is holding those in charge responsible and accountable for their actions or inactions. There must be accountability at all levels for this tragic and avoidable debacle, end quote. So these are, again, retired generals and admirals who are just disgusted with the um, decision-making and the lack of, of, of character, I guess, apparently, on behalf of uh, the defense secretary, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and the commander-in-chief. Well, um, I'm glad they did that. I was familiar with it. There should be more saying this. It should be 24-7. If we truly had a functioning Congress, and we don't, because we've got a, a partisan Congress, the Democrats, and I'm going to make it political, because this is the truth. The Democrats are more, have greater allegiance to party than country. They didn't just leave Americans behind. They will leave you behind. They abandoned the cities. I, I will say to my fellow black Americans, think about every city with a majority black population. It has been run by Democrats in the case of Chicago for a hundred years without a break. In the case of Detroit, 70 years without a break, all by Democrats. Once they get elected, they abandon you. They don't do anything. All they need is your vote. Here, it's writ large in the most dramatic terms, in the most disgusting terms, where, you know what? We're done here. We're leaving. We're abandoning you. We are leaving Americans behind. And you know what we're doing in the meantime is we're importing 
to this point in just this year, 1.2 million illegal aliens were also going to fly over, as you indicated, thousands of Afghans. We'll leave Americans behind, but fly over thousands of Afghans. And I will say that those who assisted us, sure, we want them to, to seek refuge. We'll assist them. Maybe place some in, in third countries. But they will bring all those folks here. They give them priority. Why? Because it's essential to growing the Democratic constituency, the Democratic Amen. base. Not to help Soon. the United States of America and Americans. Soon to be voter base. That is exactly this, right. This is not. This is not the time to to be you know playing uh, you know very nice with these folks. These guys gave us Joe Biden. They knew who he was. You and I talked about before he was. Well, elected. they're proud. It was abundantly clear, Peter. They're proud of Joe Biden. I sent you an Atlantic article last night. Yes. Headlined: Biden deserves credit, not blame, for Afghanistan. I'm going to ask you, I don't know if you read it or not, but I'm going to ask you to respond to it next, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1025 now. We continue with Peter Kirsten. Now, Peter's going to be with us for the entirety of the uh, the hour here uh, because he's got so much that he wants to say. And, Pete, I want you to spend the next couple of minutes here talking about uh, the Democrats' defense of Joe Biden. Uh, the article in The Atlantic that I mentioned uh, headlined, Biden deserves credit, not blame for Afghanistan. Americans should feel proud of what the U.S. government and military have accomplished in these past two weeks. Has been uh, just pushed and circulated around Twitter and social media uh, among the, the far left. Uh, as far as you can see, they are trying to change the narrative altogether, saying this was an unmitigated success, not a disaster, a success. In fact, they snapped victory from the jaws of defeat here with some decisive, nimble actions on on the part of the president and his military leadership. They're pushing this all over the Internet, trying to change the narrative. You say what to that? Um, I'm going to be a little restrained about this and just kind of, I, I hope I can walk through an analysis of this, but whenever you see a Democrat or a left debacle, it takes sometimes a few hours, if not a day or so, before the media can seize upon a talking point, and then they run with it, hoping to do a couple of things. One is to change the narrative or to obfuscate the thing altogether until such time as people lose interest and it goes away, and then they can go back to attacking Republicans and pushing the leftist agenda. This debacle is so manifestly, I mean, it's just so gigantic, it is so inexcusable that no reputable journalist can think of a way of coming up with some way of diverting attention, coming up with a positive narrative. So what's happening is, and they do this, they'll send somebody out there, usually somebody no one's ever heard of, usually some aspiring journalist without a real name, and they charge that person. I'm not sure if that's the case in this case, but what happens here is what will happen is they they will take this and do a trial balloon, do a trial run to see if this gains any traction. Can they use this to divert attention from what's actually going on and to develop a narrative that's at least neutral, if not positive? So what's happening here is they're providing a narrative for the media, seeing if the media will seize upon this so that they can move beyond the current crisis point and then start focusing on things like climate change and all the other talking points that they typically do. They've got to get past 
the next, they hope, in the, in the usual format, it's, they've got to get past the next 24, 48, or 72 hours. This debacle of su- is such a magnitude that it's going to take much longer than that. So this will be the first salvo that they fire to see if this gains any traction. You'll find another completely incompetent and ignorant piece written someplace else to see if that one gains any traction. I don't think any of these will. Their greatest hope, and they seized upon this and continue are, is to go down to Louisiana and talk about the hurricane. They're hoping something else big will come up uh, so they can change the narrative. And let's face it, every news story after a period of time begins to fade. But that's the essence of this particular story. That's why it's circulating on Twitter and other media, because they're trying to get other journalists to bite on this. It's as simple as that. It is an ignorant article. I read it, Bob. Thanks for sending it to me, Mm -hmm. because it gave me some insight into the direction in which they're going to try to go. Well, you know, they they have to try to do something here because the only other the only other move here is to is to admit defeat. Uh when you have CNN and I told you and we talked about this last week too, CNN and MSNBC and others are being very critical of the way this was handled. Um you know you're in serious trouble. They have to find some sort of a way to flip this. Uh in fact, let me give you this. This is just from um this is from last night, 10:54 p.m. Do you think this moment is uh, for the, let's say, 250 Americans and so many others, thousands of Afghans uh, who were still desperate to try to get out? I think it's absolutely crushing. Of course, Wolf. I spoke earlier on in the day with a family of four from Houston, Texas. They told me they had been going to the airport for two weeks, trying desperately to get out. They all have American passports. They had gone to Afghanistan to visit the mother's family, and essentially the issue was they couldn't get past the Taliban. They were in touch with the U.S. military. The military was trying to facilitate their departure. Pete, when CNN is not focusing on the 120,000 airlifted out of there and then are focusing on the hundreds left behind, including a family of four from Houston, Texas, that is now in the hands of the Taliban, you've got to do something. I mean, desperation sets in. Yeah, they've got to protect their reputations. This is a debacle of such sheer scale and magnitude that you can't wave it away like they do almost everything else. They buried, for example, the Hunter Biden laptop uh, scandal, which polling shows change the outcome of the election. They will bury everything, as, as somebody says, I forgot was who it is, Jim Treacher says that uh, news is about making sure that you bury everything with a pillow until it stops moving or something of that nature. And that's precisely what goes on in most cases. They will bury anything that reflects negatively on their preferred narrative, Democrats and liberals generally, and they will highlight anything, especially about Trump, but, right. but Republicans and conservatives generally. So they're going with something like this, but this is one you can't avoid. The This is something that's going to resonate for a long time. Yeah, they'll try to downplay it, but but you have something here that we've never had before. Americans intentionally, knowingly being left behind by their elected officials. This this is one of the things that used to separate us from everybody else. On direct command by the by the president, not just not just any elected officials, but on direct command, they have been abandoned by the CIC, who said the commander in chief said we are not extending this deadline, even though it could have saved American lives. Yes, artificial. One other thing. One other thing, Bob, is that um, this will not end because we are going to see more hostage crises and everything else. Peter, I know you've got a lot more to say, but take a short breath here. We'll take a time out for news. We'll come right back with you on AM 1420, The Answer.
attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1037, now we continue on AM 1420, The Answer with Peter Kersenow. Uh Pete, General Kenneth McKenzie Jr. is the commander in charge of CENTCOM and this mission. Since August the 14th. Uh, Doug, on, hold on one second here, Pete. I want you to hear this uh, in its entirety. This is uh, what General McKenzie said yesterday about the success of this mission of evacuation. Over an 18-day period, U.S. military aircraft have evacuated more than 79,000 civilians from... Hamid Karzai International Airport. That includes 6,000 Americans and more than 73,500 third country nationals and Afghan civilians. This last category includes special immigrant visas, consular staff, at-risk Afghans, and their families. In total, U.S. and coalition aircraft combined to evacuate more than 123,000 civilians which were all enabled by U.S. military service members who were securing and operating the airfield. Peter, in the first hour of this broadcast, I analogized that to Captain E.J. Smith, literally as the Titanic sank beneath him, uh, looking out and saying, boy, we did a great job of filling those, uh, those lifeboats. Yeah. As, he, yeah. as, he, as, he, as he sank beneath the surface, looking out and saying, man, we did a really great job there. The Titanic has sunk in Afghanistan, and they're bragging about the number of people they were able to quote-unquote save. Had this been carried out uh, correctly, in, and as you said in the beginning, uh, a, fi- a five-year-old could understand this, the correct order of, of, of a withdrawal. Had this been done properly, there wouldn't have been a need for a two-week sprint to evacuate and airlift people out as the Taliban surged around them. This would have been done orderly, and it wouldn't have been an evacuation at all. It would have been a withdrawal, and there is a difference, Pete. Yeah, I'm impressed with his math skills. All due respect, this is not what we heard. I, don't, I know nothing about George Patton's math skills, Douglas MacArthur's math, math skills, Tommy Frank's math skills, Norman Schwarzkopf's math skills, but he's got impressive math skills. All due respect. This is one of those individuals. This is a hard call. It's a hard call. But if you're in that position, I would hope, well, let me just say this, I would hope if I were in his position, I would have resigned. I really would have. I wouldn't have been adding things up and saying, hey, look what we did. We had a bunch of flights. Americans have been left behind, period. And we have a demented commander-in-chief who set an artificial deadline, untethered to anything dealing with tactics or, or strategy. Has nothing to it. He simply said August 31st and refused to change it even in the face of this debacle refused to change it even though he knowingly would leave Americans behind contrary to what he had said and he shouldn't even have to have said you know we're we're going to make sure all Americans are gotten out nobody has to say that because Americans are always gotten out no one's ever left behind but I want to give artificial go ahead, no it's okay I I I I wanted to I want to give you a little bit more of McKenzie here because he seems to think it's okay that we left uh, you know a certain amount of Americans behind because like Tony Blinken he says we can trust the Taliban the Taliban the Taliban we can trust the Taliban to work with us because they've been very professional and very businesslike here in this entire affair Listen. I will tell you the Taliban have been very pragmatic 
very pragmatic and very businesslike as we have approached this uh, withdrawal. We did not turn it over to the Taliban. Uh, General Donahue, one of the last things he did before leaving was talk to the Taliban commander that he had been coordinating with as soon as about the time we were going to leave just to let them know that we were leaving. But there was no discussion of turning anything over uh, of that at all. So they're talking about negotiating the return of Americans who did not make it out on the last flight before the deadline yesterday, but returning them safely anyway. So literally negotiating. Pete, I've always thought that literally since the beginning of this republic that our, that our stated policy has been not to negotiate with terrorists, we have now guaranteed that we must negotiate with these terrorists to perhaps rescue these hundreds, if not, and I don't trust them when they say it's in the low hundreds, perhaps thousands of Americans who remain behind? You know, um, not only is it our state of policy not to negotiate with terrorists, and we're negotiating with a terrorist state right now, Yeah. but, you know, you think about throughout history what the United States has done to protect its citizens, the lengths to which we've gone, and here, in an almost casual fashion, we have the upper echelons of our political and military leadership being very blasé about the fact that, well, there are Americans behind, but you know what? Even though we've got no no strategic bases anywhere in the vicinity, even though there's really no mechanism by which we could retrieve them if things go bad, we're going to rely on the Taliban. It's okay. You know, there are partners. I don't recall ever, and again, i got to go back in my history. Maybe I missed something. I don't recall us relying on the Waffen-SS to return uh, American prisoners or, or Jews in concentration camps. I don't remember relying on the Viet Cong to return Amer- you know, Americans held captive in either Laos, Cambodia, or, or, or Vietnam after the Vietnam War. I don't remember any of this stuff. These are our avowed enemies. And these people are completely and utterly, they are not someone upon you, you which you could rely on under any circumstances. And we just kind of very blithely say, oh, yeah, well, we can, you know, we're going to rely on them. They secured the, the perimeter force. They did all these other things. Well, if they secured the perimeter, how did the suicide bomber get through? This is the height of, they're expecting us to accept this. I, I've never seen a humiliation like this in my lifetime. I think back to history. I can't think of a humiliation like this. I mean, some other historians have talked about things such as, you know, Little Bighorn. So I, I don't know that this is even remotely com- comparable to that. But the fact is, it's not over. No. The very fact that we've well, left Americans behind assures that we're going to have continuing crises at, the, you know, using the phrase Biden likes to use, the time and choosing of the Taliban. If they want something, they can always say, without having a hostage video, all they have to say is send a little tweet over to our commander-in-chief said, hey, guess what? Uh, Joe Johnson says hello. We've got him in this little uh, room here. You don't have to worry about him at all. We're taking good care of him. But you know what? He just wants to let you know he's still here, as is you know, Nancy Jones and all the other Americans who have been left behind. This is extraordinary what's happened, and not, to mention, not to mention the leverage we've given to China, Russia, and any other bad actor out there. They are rubbing their hands with glee. They're going to be among those who are going to be buying and trying to reverse engineer and, and inspect all the equipment we've left behind, not just you know hardware, uh, you know, weaponry and stuff like that, but all the intelligence that we left behind, all of you know, some of the, the most critical and sophisticated equipment we've left behind. This is a debacle that's going to resonate 
for a long time to come. And on top of everything else, the Taliban is now in charge of Afghanistan, the biggest refuge that al-Qaeda ever had. We went there to eliminate that refuge, and now the Taliban has it, and okay. ISIS has it. Pete, let me, let me jump in on that point, because I wanted to ask you a big-picture question here just about the decision to withdraw in the first place. Um, let's, let's let General McKenzie answer a question about that first, because he fought in Afghanistan before he became general and is, and is now calling the shots rather than being a foot soldier. I want you to listen to this question of General McKenzie and his response about, about, uh, where we are right now. And then I want to ask you a follow-up, Pete. Jennifer Griffin from Fox News. If I could just have you reflect personally. After 20 years of war, you've served there. You've now watched the last troops leave. You've lost troops in recent days. How did it feel leaving Afghanistan to the very group that you overthrew 20 years ago, the Taliban? Well, as I sort of said in my remarks, as you know, I've been there a couple times. Uh, My son's been there a couple times. Um, So, and it it was very... uh, I was very conflicted, actually, but I would tell you I was pretty much focused on the task at hand. I'll have days ahead to actually think about that, but there was just so much going on in this headquarters, and we were so completely focused on getting our troops out and uh, and, the, and the days before getting uh, you know getting getting our citizens out and vulnerable Afghans to the best of our ability that I did not have a lot of time for reflection. I'm sure I will do that in the future, but right now I'm pretty much consumed with the with the operational task at hand. So, Pete, it's it's the question as much as the answer that I want you to focus on here, because it's it's what a stark way to put this and to look at this. How did it feel, General McKenzie, watching the last plane leave, knowing that we have now left Afghanistan in the hands of the very group that we fought and bled and died to take it from 20 years ago? What what did we gain in 20 years? What? What was the purpose? Did did, did how, 2,500 Americans die in vain if we literally are just handing the country back to the very same group that we had to fight to take it from? Yeah, well, they didn't die in vain. We were kept safe for 20 years. We had no other attack on the American mainland. Our troops fought valiantly. They fought with courage. They executed the mission as was handed to them. The fault lies in the policymakers, the people who drafted inane plans to get us. This, there's no way of defending what has happened in the last several weeks. It's completely and utterly indefensible, and it will go down in history as such, provided progressives don't write the history. This is just... It, it, all due respect to McKenzie, yes, he fought there, and I understand he's probably overwhelmed. He's within the chain of command. He doesn't want to necessarily countermand the commander-in-chief. But, my goodness, and I, and I don't mean to suggest he doesn't have any dignity, but I don't think he's having the self-reflection to understand necessarily how his pencil counting, his bean counting, reflects. This is extraordinary what's going on. This is a, sing, a, a signal point in American history. It is not merely about Afghanistan. It's not, and I don't mean to say merely when it comes to Americans left behind, but they're trying to diminish the impact of it by saying, it's well, it's a few hundred. I don't care if it's, it's one. 
But, but it's not about just that. This has significant, profound implications for the future. Our allies know it. Our allies who are scared to death about what's going on right now, some of whom aren't even talking to us. They're talking to okay. one another because they don't trust dementia in the White House. Okay, I'm glad you said that, Pete. Uh, uh, let's talk about the impact on our allies and this, what this does on our standing um, you know, in, in the international world. Nigel Farage, he's not in power or anything anymore in, uh, in uh, Great Britain, but he's a former British politician and the leader of the, the Brexit movement. Listen to what he said. Uh, the UK should do and, and probably will do as long as Joe Biden and this administration is in charge. Listen. Well, look, I mean, ever since 1917, when America entered the First World War, you know, for about over a hundred years, we have been beside each other in virtually every major conflict. We have shed together much blood, spent much treasure fighting for liberty, democracy, and freedom around the world. And actually, do you know what? Thank goodness we have. But when Joe Biden uh, makes a decision, a unilateral decision, uh, without even consulting with us, the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. or the other NATO allies, when the British Prime Minister desperately puts in a phone call and is not answered for 40 hours, we'll only conclude two things. Firstly that he's made a dreadful decision. Mm -hmm. He's just given the Taliban $85 billion worth of military military equipment, American up-to-date military equipment. Have you seen the pictures tonight of the Taliban going into Kabul airport? They look like kids in a candy store. They can't believe their luck. They've got helicopters, rocket launchers, everything. So firstly, bad decision militarily, bad decision strategically, because there are $3.5 trillion worth of mineral deposits, including lithium, without which electric cars can't happen. And I thought we were all supposed to be going green. Um, And a a terrorism risk increasing in Britain, Europe, and across the Western world. And all of this done without consultation. When Boris Johnson made a desperate phone call to Biden, he didn't get a response for 40 hours Now, our conclusion to all of this is any new military ventures that America asks us to engage in, we simply will not do with this man in charge. That's the money line. Uh, It took a while to get there, and I apologize for that, Peter, but that's the money line. Any new military intervention that they are asking us or our NATO allies to engage in, we will not participate in as long as this man is in charge, talking about Joe Biden. That, that's, that's just extraordinary. I, I can't underscore that enough, Pete. Yeah, they, there's no way in the world that they can justify sacrificing their people to the idiocy that's been on display from the White House here. Just a kind of casual point about this or indirect point. You know, it it strikes me and it should strike everybody that there are no patriots around Joe Biden and haven't been none because this was something that was manifestly predictable. Not this particularly, but a debacle. Several people said it, even 
uh, you know, Barack Obama famously said, never estimate Joe Biden's, you know, ability to, you know, mess things up. Uh, he said a little bit more uh, stridently than that. But nonetheless, everyone knew it. You and I talked about it during the course of the presidential election uh, cycle. We knew this. We've seen it. I'd, I've ex- had experience with Joe Biden. I mean, this, this is not a person capable of being president yet. Nonetheless, media who knew he was demented, his family, who knew how incapable he was, fellow Democrats, all propped him up and did everything they could. They, they lied, they cheated, they did everything they, they possibly could, try to suppress vital information, did everything to get him to be president. Where results, not quite like this, but we knew bad results were going to happen, if you're going to be honest about it, and yet they foisted him on him on us, and this is in eight months, less than eight months, seven months, we have seen everything go downhill. May name one thing other than the elimination of mean tweets that has gotten better in this country. <laughs> no, that, that's, that's a great question. That's a great question, and it's one, quite frankly, without an answer. Pete, we'll take our final break here. Uh, I'm going to ask you to hang around for one more segment. It's a very short one. It'll be basically be, be just your final word on all of this today. We'll be back to wrap it up with Kirsten now after this. free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, I've got about, uh, we'll call it three minutes left right now for Peter Kersenow to wrap this up. Pete, uh, you've been uh, done a good job. We haven't had to dump you once, by the way, despite your, 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 your shared anger and frustration with all of this. Um, but I just want to ask you for a final thought, your closing thoughts on what was done, and most importantly, now what do we do? Now, do, what, do yeah. now, now what do we do knowing that there are at least hundreds, maybe thousands of Americans who are being held by a terrorist state uh, and uh, uh, there's going to come a time, especially, I, I played that clip for you of the family of four, you know, CNN talking about a family of four from Houston, that are, children are being held there. Children are going to be, you know, perhaps the ones showing up on tweets and showing up on videos. Lord only knows what being done to them. So Peter now knowing we've got all of those Americans left behind, what happens next? What happens next, there's no, good, there's no good outcome to this, none whatsoever. First of all, I'll just make two points, not necessarily the most important one. First one is weakness invites aggression. We're just seeing the beginning of a cascade of bad consequences because some people are going to make mistakes, by the way. Some people are going to overreact, and by people, I mean bad actors out there. They're going to perceive what the United States has done as to be you know, something that is a sign of, of irreversible decline and that the Americans can be, can be beaten. And so they may, make, they may be over-aggressive. And I'm thinking in terms of, among others, you don't know what China is going to do other than if I'm Taiwan, I'm shaking in my boots, and China knows it's got a window of opportunity that's coextensive with the Biden administration. You've got North Korea already restarting the resumption of nuclear activity. You've got Russia. If I'm Ukraine, I'm scared. If I'm the Baltic states, I'm scared. If you're Iran, Israel's probably thinking, just like you heard from, I forgot who it was that you played from from Britain. um, Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage. uh, They're probably sitting around somewhere because, my goodness, they sit in the middle of Ahape. They are constantly under threat, and they're wondering about what do they do. They know that for the next three and a half years, they have 
at, to say it, <laughs> to, to, to give it the most optimistic uh, 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 kind of spin, they, they have got an unreliable ally in the United States of America. So there's all of that, the geopolitical implications. But if you are 30, American, 30 seconds, Pete. And especially if you're a conservative and a, and a Republican, if you're not angry, I'm not sure what's wrong with you, but you must do something about this now. Vote, organize, demand more from feckless GOP leaders, feckless GOP politicians. If they are, meaning those Republicans, aren't apoplectic and angry, and not just that, not just posing for cable TV news. If they're not out there demanding things right now and doing everything they can within the limits of their minority to affect change related to this and accountability, we don't need them. We'll get people who are better, get people who are more energized, more Peter Kirstenau laying it out for us. Peter, thank you, my friend. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Take care, Bob. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.